Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we will pick up in our study on the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, we'll begin reading with verse 9 and we'll just read the entirety of the prayer. Matthew 6 verse 9, Jesus says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we have been discussing last week and in weeks to come, we will be discussing this matter of prayer. Paul told the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So based on that verse alone, what is it that we should be praying about? Everything. You can bring any request, any matter to God. We are to pray about everything. In fact, we are commanded to. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that comes up in your life uh, along the way that you cannot bring before your God. But sometimes in the practical outworking of that, we have trouble seeing what that looks like. How do we do that? How do we Pray And with all the kinds of things that we can pray about, what kinds of things should take priority? Because let's just be honest, if we prayed about everything, we probably wouldn't accomplish much of anything. We could spend our whole day in prayer, and everything that comes to mind along the way, we could pray. Not that that would be a, a bad thing. But Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 32 and 33 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows what you need. But, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things shall be added to you. So seek first, as your priority, the kingdom of God. Seek the righteousness of God, and then all the other things will sort of take care of themselves in life. So sometimes we find ourselves with an immediate need in the middle of the day, and and we can run straight to God with that request then and there. Anything that comes up along the way, don't you worry about what order you place things in your prayer. You can drop to your knees or stand right where you are, or just pull off on the side of the road and just bring your request to God as soon as it presents itself. Our personal needs matter to God. But in the normal flow of our everyday prayers... Personal, physical needs don't fall over, don't take priority. Personal, physical needs 
are important to God. We can pray about those things, and we should, because we should pray about everything. But if we were to rank what we should pray about first and foremost, those things aren't at the top of the list. As a church, when we come together to pray, we pray here on Sunday mornings, and when we gather on Wednesdays to pray, personal, physical needs are important, but they should not take first place, though they often do. It's easy to get caught up in the rut of the prayer list. I praise God for our prayer list. I'm thankful that we can bring anything and everything to God in prayer. But the bulk of our time, probably should not be spent on our prayer list. Jesus gives us a, a pattern for prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And our first petitions, our first prayers, should be focused on God and His desires. These are God-focused, God-centered prayers. Bring the other things to God, yes, but there are things that God desires that you should pray for first. And Jesus puts them in this prayer this way. He says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. How long has it been since you stopped in your daily prayers to think, what is it that God desires that I should pray for? What is it that God wants to accomplish that he's asked me to pray for? Let's look at these three things together. The first, he says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not a word that we use often. The word is hagiazo, and it simply means to sanctify, to make holy, make your name holy, sanctify your name. And that's an interesting prayer because God's name is already holy. His name is already set apart. It is sanctified. It is elevated above all other names. So what are we praying for exactly? Well, we're praying that God's name would be regarded, that God's name would be valued, treated as holy. Hallowed be your name. So we're praying our Father in heaven, I pray that your name would be seen by others as holy, as sanctified, set apart. Now, this is in keeping with the third commandment, right? Exodus 20, verse 7, uh, God said, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying for the opposite of the Lord's name being taken in vain. We're praying that his name would be treated with reverence. Now, often when we think about the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, we think of using God's name uh, in a, as a curse word, right? In some inappropriate or filthy way. And certainly that's included in that. Don't use God's name lightly. Don't use His name to express disgust. His name is holy. His name is sanctified. You don't use it that way. And the scriptures say the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. There is guilt that comes along with taking the Lord's name in that way. 
But it's not just in the way we say his name or use his name in that way, but even to claim to belong to him, to claim the name of Christ, that I belong to God, I'm a child of God. And then the way that we live and talk and conduct ourselves is not in keeping with that. You know what we've done? We've taken the Lord's name and we've taken it in vain. So what are we praying for when we pray, hallowed be your name? We're praying that in our lives, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we see God, the way we treat his name, that we would do it in a way that is holy, that we would treat it with reverence. Now, are we praying that, God, that people will use name, God's name rightly and, and that's all? No, because God's name is his character. That's who he is. God doesn't reveal his name without a purpose, and that's so that we may know him. David prayed to God in 1 Chronicles concerning his own house. He said, so let it be established that your name may be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, is Israel's God. So David says, make your name holy, magnify your name so that people will know whose God you are. That people will know that you're the God of Israel. In Ezekiel 36, God said, I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you've profaned in their midst, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. He said in Ezekiel 38, thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that God's very character, that his nature, that his identity in the eyes of the rest of the world would be seen as holy. We pray that we and others would have a right view of and a reverence for God. That's what we're praying for when we pray, hallowed be your name. So what does that look like practically? That's a lot of things to talk about. But what does that look like when you actually pray tomorrow morning? When you come to God and you acknowledge him as your father in heaven... And you pray, hallowed be your name. What does that look like? I think of it this way. I, I pray in an expanding circle. I start right here with me, and then I work my way out to the rest of the world, okay? So I'm going to pray for myself first. Father in heaven, I pray that your name would be regarded as holy in me. Help me to see you the way you desire to be seen. Don't let me make up some image of you in my own mind. Don't think of you the way that I think you ought to be. But help me to see you for who you are as the holy God that you've revealed yourself as. Help me to know you rightly. And then I work myself out to my home. I pray that in my home, that in my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children, that your name, God, in this home would be regarded as holy, that we would treat your name, your character, with reverence and respect. And then I work myself out another step. Who do you think I pray for next? You. I pray for you in this church. Lord, I pray that at Simmons Grove, the people who gather at Simmons Grove, even today, this Monday morning, would see your name as holy. That we would treat you with honor and respect and know you for who you are. Work yourself out from that. Pray for your community. 
God, I pray for this community, these people that spend their tires in our parking lot about every other month, that they would see your name as holy. For the lady who runs the coffee shop on Main Street, I pray that she would come to know you as the holy God that you are. And just whoever comes to your mind. And then you work your way out to the rest of the world. And this is in keeping with Scripture. God, may your name be holy throughout all the earth. I pray that the work of missions would go forth, that your name would be proclaimed to all the nations, and that people would know that you, the Lord, are God. Does that, does that seem practical? Does that seem doable? Does that make sense? When we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that we and others would see God rightly. That we would see Him and know Him and reverence Him for the holy God that He is. When's the last time you prayed like that? He says that we should pray, hallowed be your name. But then he moves on. He says, your kingdom come. What are we praying for when we pray that the Lord's kingdom would come? I think there's a couple of things that we pray for. When we pray that way, one, I think we're praying for the return of Christ. We're praying that Jesus will come again. Remember who Jesus is speaking to here, right? He's, he's preaching to Jews. These are Jews who are anticipating the coming of their Messiah. They're expecting Him to come and establish His kingdom and to rule the nations. And I don't think they were wrong to expect that. It's exactly what God had promised through Abraham and David and the prophets. That he would establish his kingdom and rule. But they just didn't see the whole picture. They missed the point that Jesus came not just to establish a rule on earth and a kingdom. But he came to forgive their sins. He wanted them to turn from their sins and to trust in Him, to turn their hearts to Him and to the Lord. So I believe that the Bible teaches that there is still a kingdom to come. You could take a different eschatological view if you like, but that's the what I, just what I see in Scripture, that there is still a kingdom to come. I'm praying right now that Jesus would come and establish that kingdom. I'm, I see all the injustice in the world. I see the way things are headed. And I can't help but pray, Jesus, could you please come and fix this mess? Come and judge the nation. Set all things right. Establish your rule here in the earth. I mean, the very last prayer in the Bible is a prayer for Jesus to come. Did you know that? In Revelation twenty two twenty, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. And you know what John says? Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. That's a prayer. That's a prayer I think we could pray. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. Jesus himself prayed for the day that we would be with him. John 17, he said, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Jesus prayed for that. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me. Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come and I pray that you would come soon. And we can't quit everything in our lives and sit around waiting for Jesus to come again, right? Because he... Very well may not come in our lifetime. But it is right for us to pray for His coming. 
And I think if we do that, that helps us to keep our own lives in perspective, that that's what we're living for, for the day that we're with him, for the day that we're with him for all eternity. I don't think we're just praying for that, though. At least I'm not just praying for that. I'm praying also, when I pray that his kingdom would come, I'm praying that people would be saved. I'm praying for the salvation of sinners. Even though we're still waiting for Christ's kingdom to come, he hasn't come yet. Those who belong to Christ right now are already citizens of God's kingdom. We are already citizens of his kingdom. A couple of places the Bible teaches that, Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's who you are if you've been born again. Philippians 3.20, he says, for our citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship, first and foremost, is not in the United States of America. That's secondary. Your citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, I'm praying that God's kingdom would come. But while I wait, I'm praying that more people would be brought into the citizenship of that kingdom even now. Even now. I'm praying that more people will submit to Jesus as their Lord and their King and be brought into his family. And you can pray your kingdom come in that same expanding circle, right? Hopefully you yourself are already a child of God, that you've been born again and you're, you're living your life for your king. But I'm praying for my home. God, I praise you that you brought me into your family. I praise you that my wife is in your family. I'm praying for my sons, Lord. They're young right now, but I pray that they, even at a young age, would come to know you and that they would be saved. Bring that circle out. I'm praying for our church, Lord. I believe that there are probably people who come to church week after week who, who hear the gospel, but they haven't yet believed. And I pray that they would come to know you, that they would be brought into your kingdom. I'm praying for my community. Lord, I pray these people who are, live over here or these people who work there or the guy who owns that store. Lord, I pray that they would be brought into your family, into the citizenship of your kingdom. And then we go out to the rest of the world that as the gospel is proclaimed, that people from all over the earth would come to know you and submit to you as their Lord and King and be saved. We prayed for that just this morning, for those groups in the Amazon. This is the way... That Jesus has taught us to pray. Name specific people. Don't just pray generally. You take whoever comes to your mind while you're praying and you plug them in there. But then he says this. He says, pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is sort of a natural progression, isn't it? Because if, if we're citizens of Christ's kingdom, if he is our king, then we will submit to him and to his ways, right? If he is our Lord, then we will obey him. I think when we pray, your will be done, we can pray that in a couple of ways as well. When we pray uh, for our circumstances. Job 1, after he had lost everything that he owned and everything that he loved, he lost everybody important to him except his wife, and even she was starting to, to turn against him. The scriptures say that Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. 
And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. You think you could pray that way? If you lost everything that you had, everything you loved? Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave me all that stuff to start with. He has every right to take it away. See, there are things that come into our lives that are completely out of our control. I'm not talking about problems you create for yourself. We've got plenty of those. I'm talking about those things that you have absolutely no control over. How do you pray? You can pray for change, and that's okay. But ultimately, we submit ourselves to whatever God wills for us, confidently trusting that He knows best. And we pray, Lord, whatever Your will is in this circumstance, whatever's going on in my life right now, Your will be done. I trust You. You made me, You loved me, and You saved me. I can trust You with this. But we don't just pray that His will would be done in our circumstances, but we pray that our will, His will would be done in our obedience, in the things we can control, the things we can do. How exactly is God's will done in heaven? He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is it done in heaven? When God says to an angel, go do this, does that angel say, okay, I'll do that tomorrow? The angel doesn't say, well, I'm really working on something else right now. Could you just give me a minute? No. When God gives his command, he is obeyed immediately and completely. The job is never half done. It's never put off. He's obeyed. So we pray your will be done just as it is in heaven that we would obey so completely. Help me, Lord, to be so obedient to you that I would do your will, that your will would be done in me. We never question, we should never question God's authority, his motives, his reasoning. We may not understand why, but we pray that God would help us to come to a point of submission that we trust him and that we obey him without delay and never revising the orders. How easy that is. God, yes, you said this, and I think I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it this way. No, we pray that the Lord's will would be done on earth, in us, in our homes, in our church, in our community, in the world, just as it is in heaven. Help me to obey you completely. Help us in our home to conduct ourselves such a way that we obey you completely. Help us in our church to see what you've said to us in your word, the way that your spirit is leading us even now, and to obey you and do everything that you command us. In our community, I pray that the people would come to know you and that your will would be done, that we would be obedient to you even in our community and across the world, that people would submit to the Lordship of Christ and do his will. You just expand the circle. But here's something to remember. This kind of prayer has to be followed by action. God, I want to do your will today. Help me to do your will. 
Help me to obey you. And then if you get up and walk away and don't give another thought to the will of God or to what God has said in his word, will his will be done? No. We pray, and then as I remember hearing as a kid, we put legs on our prayers. And we get up and we do what God has called us to do. It is useless to say, God, help us to be obedient to you as a church and to do everything that you've called us to do. I pray that your will would be done in our church and then we never open our mouths and share the gospel. Because God has commanded us to open our mouths and share the gospel. What is something that God has commanded you to do in his word that you haven't done yet. And that could go a couple of ways. It could be something that you are doing that God has commanded you not to do. Some sin in your life that you need to confess and forsake. Because it doesn't do you any good to pray, Lord, your will be done, and then continue in your sin. You need to pray, Lord, your will be done. Give me strength to forsake this sin. And to walk away from it. Or maybe it's something that God has commanded you to do that you haven't done yet. Whether that's following the Lord in baptism, or whether that's opening your mouth and sharing the gospel to, with your neighbor. Whatever it is, whatever God has commanded you to do, what is it that you haven't done yet? In what way have you not submitted to Him? You kids, the number one thing that God requires of you right now is that you obey your parents. While you're living at home, that's the one command that stands out above all the rest. You need to love God first and foremost, but your expression of that and your doing of the will of God is that you obey your parents and respect them. Our perfect example of this is none other than Jesus, of course. In the garden, right? Before his crucifixion, he comes to his father in prayer, and in his flesh, he's feeling the emotions, the weight of that moment, this moment that his life has led up to when he's about to be taken, mocked, beaten, and crucified. And he prays, Father, if it's possible, if it's possible, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. But what he said next was really the most important thing, right? He said, nevertheless, not my will, not what my flesh right now desires to be delivered from this, but your will be done. And that should be our prayer, right? We can come to God and tell him what we would like. It's okay. You can say, God, if it's possible, I really would like for this to pass and I'd like for this to happen instead. That's okay. God might do it. But the important part is that you come back and say, Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Your will be done, Lord. And Jesus didn't just pray the prayer, but he got up from that prayer and was obedient. And he was obedient even unto death. And he died for you, a sinner, and took your place so that you could have your sins forgiven. He loved you and he obeyed his father. So before we ask for anything that we desire, and it's okay to pray for your desires. We'll talk about that next time, okay? I don't want to, to sound like a mean dude that says you can't tell God what, what you desire. 
Okay, God wants to hear from you in prayer. But before we ask for anything that we desire, we must pray for the things that God desires. The things that God desires to accomplish in us. And these are the kinds of prayers that he promises to answer. He promises to hear these prayers. He said in 1 John 5, he said, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you think it's according to the will of God to pray the things that Jesus told us to pray? Yes, absolutely. It is God's will for you to pray that his name be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done. And John says, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. You can be confident that if you pray according to how Jesus has commanded you to pray, that God does hear your prayers. If you're praying for these things, that his name be regarded as holy, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done, you have a guarantee that he hears your prayers. These are the prayers that God desires to answer. God isn't in heaven just saying, okay, well, if you pray long enough and hard enough and you twist my arm enough, I might give in and let you have it. That's not what God's doing. He's in heaven desiring to answer these prayers. And he might just be waiting for you to ask. So what is it that you need to be praying for? Which of these things stands out the most that you need to apply to your life this very week? Pray that God's name be regarded as holy. Pray that his kingdom would come. Pray that his will would be done in you, your family, your church, your community, and throughout the world. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you that you've made us your children, that you've adopted us into your family. We know that you are exalted, you are high and lifted up above all things. All the earth is subject to you. We desire to pray for the things that you desire us to pray for. Lord, I just want to pray for our church right now. I pray that in this congregation, that your name would be regarded as holy. I pray that we would see you for who you are. That we would think about you rightly. That we would value and treasure your name, your character, above all else. I pray that your kingdom would come. We look at the world and it's in such a mess and we look forward to the day that Jesus returns to make things right. And I pray that until then that we would be faithful in proclaiming the gospel and that you would bring people into the citizenship of your kingdom even now. That sinners would be saved here in this congregation. Lord, I pray that your will would be done. That we would search the scriptures. That we would hear the preaching and the teaching of your word. That we wouldn't just be hearers, but we would be doers. Obeying everything that you've commanded us. 
And Lord, we pray that we would do these things not for our own glory, not so that we can make some name for ourselves, but all for the glory of your name. And it's in the name of our Lord Jesus that I come to you. Amen.